Blog Talk Radio. He meets Hulk Hogan. Hogan and Flair in undoubtedly the rematch of the century. Plus, you now know the emotional stand that was made by the American dream Dusty Rhodes at the side of his son, Dustin. Let's take a look. Iron Anderson has never been nothing but a walk behind her. And when you walk behind and you're not a leader, then the view never changes, baby. The view never changes, baby. The view never changes. You have the ability to be the world's heavyweight wrestling champion. There is not a greater athlete at your age in this sport. But I, I want to ask your favor. I want to ask your favor in front of, in front of God in the whole world. I know that the Clash of Champions on August the 24th, you put your name on the dotted line. I don't want you to look for another partner. I don't want you to go and find another man. I don't want you to go out and get on your knees and beg another scum-sucking pig to be your partner. I'm asking you if you can carry this old out of shape, old bent out, old spindle-legged man. I want to be your partner. I don't need no handshake because out there right now tonight there's, there's people with their brothers and their sisters and their wives. They are blood. The Kennedys were blood. The Earps were blood. The roads are blood. I don't need a handshake. What I need now from you is just a hug and a kiss to seal the deal, baby. The American Dream Dusty Rhodes teaming up with his son, the natural Dustin Rhodes, father and son, to face Colonel Parker's shock troops of Bunkhouse Buck and Terry Funk. I guarantee you that one will tear the house down. Of course, there's going to be more to come uh, just a shade over two weeks from now, Wednesday, August 24th. Check your local listing for time and station. Two solid hours of exciting World Championship Wrestling action on the Clash of the Champions. This Saturday... I have got some inside information on the WCW hotline. Give me a call for my exclusive report this Sunday. Bobby the Brain Heenan and all of his dirt on the hotline. And next Tuesday, our good friend, Tony. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Pro Wrestling Opinion Show. And today we're talking about two of the greatest matches ever. And uh, one of them is including the, the American Dream, Dusty Rose. Is this his last match ever? I believe that was his final match. Yes, I believe that was the final match. And what a way to end your career. I don't think he was... That's his final match at WCW. I believe... On yeah, he didn't do much after this. ECW and MLW and Turnbuckle Wrestling, I believe he wrestled in. But as far as on a national pay-per-view basis, this to me is his career, is his retirement match. Yeah, and he did a hell of a uh, promo uh, leading up to it. We, they showed some of it on a pay-per-view of him, you know, having to convince his son. I guess they had some uh, issues or something, and he was trying to get him over to his side to help him fight the stud stable. Yeah, and I, I text you the entire the entire uh, uh, interview. You could play that right before we do the match. And um, I also text you his final promo, which you which was only part of it, which we cut off Stephanie and Triple H 
when the Rhodes brothers a couple of years ago uh, went to team up Goldust and um, Cody Rhodes. Yeah. Well, I, I, we'll be, I'll be playing that at the end of this show because I don't have access to the clip yet. But uh, yeah. at the end of this show, everybody will hear those clips. And, uh, yeah, we have to just give our condolences here at the Pro Wrestling Opinion Show to the passing of both uh, Tommy Rogers and Dusty Rhodes um, and both really great performers in their own right there. And, you know, Dusty is... The show was dedicated to both Tommy Rogers and Dusty Rhodes' legacy and their families as... I mean, Dusty Rhodes, one of the five greatest characters in the history of professional wrestling. And Tommy Rogers, one half of one of the greatest tag teams and the most underrated tag team of all time, the Fantastics. Indeed, indeed. So we have another match uh, tributing for him. It's basically where, when they won the, uh, the title from the uh, Midnight Express. And uh, then we have this uh, War Games match from 1994. Uh, very interesting time in WCW. Uh, Dusty Rhodes makes his triumphant return to the ring. Uh, doesn't do much, but, man, does he electrify that crowd with you know the what? that he does. When I first saw this match, I, I thought it was an okay match when I first ordered it on pay-per-view back in 94. Rewatching it, God damn, this was a phenomenal match and worthy of being on this series. What a great match. I mean, Arn Anderson, Terry Funk, Buckhouse Buck, and Dustin Rhodes all did a phenomenal job in this match. Dustin Rhodes, one of the most underrated workers in the history of professional wrestling, only cursed because he was the son of the American dream. Had Dustin Rhodes been another, had another name, he would have been an all-time great on his own because Dustin was a tremendous worker. Oh, yeah, all these guys were great workers, even Bunkhouse Buck. They all did. Uh, people, people forget Bunkhouse Buck was originally was really Jimmy Golden, and he was a great, great worker in the southeastern Alabama territories of, throughout the 1980s, and he's the real-life cousin of Robert Parker, a.k.a. Robert Fuller, Colonel Parker. Well, this guy just looks like a straight-up hillbilly, man. I mean, just from and, the... Recently, he played... Uh, was it Jack Swagger's father on, on Raw one night? <laughs> oh, he was playing. That's Funk Ass Buck? That's well, anyway. Funk, fuck, yeah. That's funny. Well, but, uh, I want to say, though, I didn't think anyone was going to make uh, Arn Anderson look like he's in good shape, but he's probably in the best shape of anyone in this match. <laughs> oh, of all the guys in this match, he had the best physique. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you don't often say that about Arn Anderson, but uh, he was the muscle-bound guy in this one. Uh, but, but, yeah, I mean, all these guys are really great workers, great brawlers, and they were perfect for a Dusty Rhodes match, you know, because they are all kind of that same, like, you know, they, they didn't look like they were much, but, man, could they do this in the ring. All yeah, these people. I mean, they were perfect for that brawling style, and when we get to the match, I mean, a bunkhouse buck and Arn Anderson and Terry Funk took some phenomenal bumps throughout that fucking cage match. Well, dude, the Nasty Boys, man, they were way over, too, because they were the perfect opponents for these guys. These guys were dirty motherfuckers, you know? Like, Besides, and this is War Games, a brawl, and, uh, man, watching this again after I hadn't watched this match in over 20 years, god damn, this was a great match. One of the most underrated War Games of all time. But before we talk about that, let's get to the Fantastics Midnight Express match from April 26, 1988. A feud, Logan, that was voted feud of the year, by the Wrestling Observer in 1988. Oh, man, these guys, yeah, they tore it up. Um, and the heat was incredible. I mean, you had uh, Cornette there was doing the, some of his best promos at that time, 
uh, Midnight Express. Uh, now, the Midnight Express, they had a, an earlier incarnation, but I think this was probably their best one. What do you yeah, think? Everybody talks about Conjuring Eaton, and Conjuring Eaton had great matches with the Fantastics as, as well in the Mid-South and World Class. But I always liked the combination of Stan Lane and Eaton better, probably because of the three. Stan Lane was the only one that was genetically gifted. He, he was a good-looking dude with a great body, while uh, Conjuring Eaton looked like fucking barroom brawlers. Yeah, they look like some yeah, escape mental patients. But, uh, yeah, they – I mean, they just didn't look like imposing figures. They looked like some, like, rockers that, like, were way past their prime, you know. <laughs> but you add Stan Lane to this and his karate uh, background, his Chuck Norris-like move, uh, and then you got a guy, you know, and he was pretty – yeah, he was a pretty boy, and so – uh, these two together, man, they were a great combo, and uh, they looked—they looked like tough, you know. And uh, you had uh, Condry just doing like the dirty work, and uh, and you had the pretty boy uh, Stan Lane who had the karate moves. So, so it was good. And so they came to the ring uh, uh, to to a lot of booze, and uh, the Fantastics were well beloved by this crowd, man. I mean, they were just like really pumping up the crowd all the time, always paying attention to them, and. And, and selling and, and doing great stuff that would get this crowd. Stuff that you don't see today, you know, like people another, really communicating. Another thing I want to add is that Dusty Rose was the booker at this time for NWA Crockett. Uh, and he brought in the Fantastics because the Rock and Roll Express had left. They had run their course. They no longer were over. And um, Dusty needed a team that could battle the Fantastic. I mean, the, the Midnight Express and... With some advice from Jim Cornette, and Cornette has always said that the Fantastics were the Midnight Express' best uh, partners to dance with. He brought in the Fantastics, and right away, as the great book of Dusty Rose was, the first TV match back in March of, early March of 88, a month and a half before this match, he puts the Fantastics over the Midnight Express in a non-title television match. Then they okay. have a spectacular great, uh Clash of the Champions match, the very first Clash of Champions, a match we covered on this show, in which the Midnight Express won by cheating, and this sets up this match, April 26th, a worldwide TV taping in Chattanooga, Tennessee, the Midnight Express defending the U.S. Tag Team Champions against the Fantastics, Tommy Rogers, and um, Bobby Fulton. Yeah, the Fantastics were white hot. This is probably their most popular moment here. Uh, they were... And so they, they come in really like a house of fire. In the beginning of this match, they get the early advantage. Uh, you see that uh, um, uh, Tommy Rogers gets a Hurricane Rana, but then Stan Lee, like, um, uh, well, well, let's see. Well, and basically this match, basically, when it, when it starts it off, and you have the Stan Lane uh, basically on the ropes. Bobby uh, uh, Fulton is, uh, oh, yeah, this is where, okay, now I remember what I'm talking about, is that, Remember when uh, you get this early advantage from the Fantastics and you got Stan Lane, like, standing up on the ropes, and then Bobby Fulton shakes the ropes and, like, the guy gets racked, you know, yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, what I love about the beginning of matches, too, is the lightning-like uh, drop kicks and arm drags of Tommy Rogers. Tommy Rogers had one of the great drop kicks in wrestling history. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. That fucking drop kick, unbelievable, from the... Um, side uh and bobby eaton too i mean there was like uh they were on the floor and he was uh bobby eaton was got a drop kick to his face from the floor which is like unbelievable oh, yeah. um 
And then we have like right before the second, um, or this is that 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 drop kick was right. There was a commercial. You know, we had several commercials during this match. Like I think like three. TV taping and um, this match was over forty minutes, but I believe only twenty five were covered because of the t- of the t- uh, the commercials. Yeah, so we're the commentators are all telling about how the the fantastic quickness is working to their advantage. Um, they come back from the break and uh, Tommy Rogers is going for a uh, another Hurricane Rana, but then he gets his his throat like thrown down right on the top rope as he's trying to go for that. That and, was great. That was great execution by the Midnight Express, and they'll be later on in the match where they um do the same thing to Bobby Fulton on the on the on the rail. Hey, oh man. And now, this goes, I hark it back to what Jim Cornette used to say on many of uh, of his shoot interviews. He would talk about how he would ride, when, when him, Eaton, and Conjury, then him, Eaton, and Lane were riding from town to town from one, uh, in the car, that they would, they would talk about moves, and they would make up moves, and they said, all right, let's try this in the next match. That move on the barricade looked like one of the uh, moves they were talking about when driving from town to town. Well, damn, man. They, they, they. Uh, so this has gave them the advantage, allow them to really start beating the shit out of, uh, of Tommy Rogers, who sells oh, like. I mean, they beat the, the, that. No, the first Tommy Rogers, right? You're right. Yeah. When, right. The, I mean, this part of the match, it's it's Tommy Rogers, and he's getting he's getting fucking uh, he's selling like a motherfucker. Um, he's getting slaughtered, gets getting karateed by fucking uh, uh, Lane. Cornette even slaps him at one point. Um, so then we we. He he almost turns it around and gets a pin on them by some kind of grapevine shit he does to their yeah, arms. Yeah, yeah, a, a grapevine where he um where he um rolls up the arms of um, yeah, and then they go to break as ready as he's about to pin the guy. Uh, then we come back and it looks like uh, they've gotten the advantage again. Uh, Tommy Rogers, um, he's got an arm lock on him. He flips over Bobby Eaton. Um, and then make and then uh, makes him um, and then and somehow makes him rack himself on the turn. Oh yeah, he he go he goes in for like um, something on the turnbuckle and he racks himself completely on the fucking uh, pad there. And then uh, he gets a tag. He gets the hot tag and fucking uh, Bobby Fulton goes wild. But then he gets fucking clothesline on the guardrail outside. And that's like what fucks him up. Yep. And that's a pretty elaborate move too. I think they like throw him outside and he gets he gets instantly thrown on it, but he won't get pinned. He keeps fucking, they think they're, they got him, and he, and he fucking keeps uh, kicking out of these pins. Um, and uh, at, at one point, uh, what's his name, Stan Lane gets so fucking angry that he he grabs him by his hair and just fucking throws him around the ring. I mean, it's just like, yeah, so fucking, um, Cornette fucking takes his tennis racket and uses it on Bobby Fulton's head uh, <laughs> while the ref's not looking. Um, still not getting pinned though, and then you have um, <clears throat> Bobby start hulking up, but they keep breaking him down, and he keeps like shaking his arms trying to get the crowd, you know, in his favor. They keep trying to pin him. They both fucking beat the shit out of him in the corner, you know, like he's just and, taking and, tons of shots. And he blades, and I love this. He blades. He's busted wide open, and referee Pee Wee Anderson is constantly to stop it in the fight. Yeah. He's like, dude, this cut, we're gonna stop it, and and but then he lets it continue after both uh, Bobby Rogers comes in and pleads because the the the, fa- the Midnight Express and Cornette are like, yeah, stop the match, we got it, we got it, but then Tommy Rogers comes in and begs 
Pee Wee Anderson not to stop the match. Right, but then, like, while they're arguing with the ref about uh, Cornette and, and Lane are arguing with the ref about because he didn't stop the match, we get Tommy Rogers, like, hits a, t- uh, a drop kick from the top rope that allows uh, Bobby Fulton to get the pin on Bobby Eaton. Um, and uh, right as he's the count is going for that final pin, uh, and I don't know if this ever gets mentioned, but if you notice, Stan Lane tagged in to the match. Uh, so it's like he's trying to tag while the, 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 the last count is going on, but it's too late. The, um, the Fantastics win the title, and uh, what a celebration for these guys winning this championship from Midnight Express. What made, what made the Fantastics a better working tag team than the Rock and Roll Express was they both could do the, the Robert Gibson, I mean the Ricky Morton roles. They yeah. both were great, great, great sympathizers. They get the fan sympathy for getting beat down, and they, they both could do the hot tag. They were both, they were both great selling baby faces. And, um, yeah, I mean, uh, but Tommy Rogers, speaking of him, since he's the guy who passed here, he, he's like a like, – Kind of like a Davy Boy Smith, in many ways, right? I mean, he's just oh, like the, more like a Dynamite Kid. Oh, I'm sorry, that's what I meant, Dynamite Kid. Exactly. Yeah, and and he and he had that. Um, I don't know, like if he had as many injuries as him, but man, he took a lot of bumps. One of the reasons he died so young recently was because of all the concussions he took throughout his career, because of all the crazy bumps he took. Uh, and he Tom, wasn't a big guy. Tommy Rogers passed passed away a few weeks ago. And um, he was found dead with his face down down on on um on his desk while while working on the computer. He had been arrested a few times for assault, and I think these were all concussion-based injuries. Logan, you brought up many times on this show and your own uh, pro wrestling opinion uh, show, at, as as well as your um mixed martial arts shows about the dangers of concussions. And Tommy Rogers suffered a lot, and towards the last few years of his of, of his life. He had been in one too many incidents, and he was beginning to forget a lot of things that happened in his career. Well, yeah, I mean, that's bound to happen when you take those kind of blows. And uh, he'd also been having legal problems, getting into fights, yeah. uh, barroom brawls and whatnot, and uh, not uh, – he was. I think he was facing jail time he right before he died. He was to prison before he died. That's why a lot of people thought it might have been a suicide. I believe the toxicology, the autopsy report was that – he died from taking too many painkillers. Well, he could have done that intentionally, so it's, it's entirely possible. His roommate doesn't think he was he was trying to kill himself. Um, Tommy Rogers, if you listen to Stone Cold's podcast, he re, um, the last podcast Tommy Rogers ever did was on Stone Cold Show, and, and Tommy Rogers, who had been living in Hawaii for the last few years, was, was honest, was very honest in the painkillers he had to take every day to get by. How. There will be some days we can't even get out of bed. He was in so much pain. Man, what's why? What about this business, man? It's wrong, dude. How do you? Is this just unavoidable? If you want to be a, a great wrestler, you have I don't to know. Look at look 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 at what the Benoit, Dynamite Kid, Tommy Rogers. Look at all the damage that's happened to all these great workers from the. Stone Cold's <laughs> fucked up for life. Again. Stone Cold is fucked up for life. They think he's going to wrestle again. No yeah. way. Daniel Bryan, Bret Hart recently mentioned that he doesn't think Daniel Bryan will ever step in the ring again because he suffered the same type of neck injury that Kurt Angle had and the same type of concussion that ended Bret Hart's career. So, yeah, look at all the great. Bret Hart. Bret Hart almost died and had had a, had a stroke. 
Um, it's a wonder how Kurt Angle still does what he does. And he's walking around with I can imagine Kurt Angle at 55. God damn. Kurt Angle's a mess right now. So, so yeah, so we got um, a lot of damage. But let's get on to this. Uh, uh, we, we, we give our condolences to his family, but we love his body of work. And, man, if you want to check out some great uh, matches, just check out this series between these two because they're all good. This is the third match we've discussed, and you go to the archives. We've got all the links to all three of these great matches from the Feud of the Year, 1988. Continue, Logan. So let's move on here. We got, we're back. We're going to 1994. Dusty Rhodes coming back to the WCW. Where did he come from? All right, well, he had go, going back to WCW in 1991 and had booked WCW up until early '93 when um, Bill Watts was fired and Eric Bischoff came in and made Ole Anderson the booker. And Dusty Rhodes was, was just uh, relegated to being a color commentator on television. He no longer had creative input in the product. Okay, and it, and it was uh, thought that this is uh, after, what, uh, Turner brought, bought WCW? <laughs> yeah, Turner bought WCW in late 1988, yes. Yeah, and it was... A lot of people think that Dusty Rhodes' uh, management of WCW was the reason why he had to sell it to Turner because uh, the he booked things that cost way too much money or something like that. But I mean, combination of Jim Crockett and Dusty Rhodes, and um, big yeah, shot. I mean, he didn't have to go along with it. Big you know? shout out to Dave Meltzer because Dave Meltzer in last week's Observer, part one of Dusty Rhodes. Like I tell people all the time, you want you want to read the Observer? Wait till somebody dies. Dusty Rose died. He gave a phenomenal first part. His second part's coming out this month. And in the first part, Logan, he makes a great comparison, and it's ironic. 1986, 1987, 1988, Jim Crockett and Dusty Rose is very comparable to 1988 and 1999, Eric Bischoff and Hulk Hogan. Crockett thought as long as he had Dusty Rose, he couldn't fail. Eric Bischoff thought as long as he had Hulk Hogan, he could never fail. They allowed those guys to run... The, the the business into the ground. Yeah, and and it's you know it you got to have a strong guy at the top to uh, rein in these big personalities because when they get control of the book, they'll just book themselves into oblivion and book your company into out of business, man. So you got to be careful. But uh, yeah, so and that's what happened with both in both cases. In the Hulk Hogan's case, he killed the company <laughs> completely. But uh, at least. Dusty Rhodes just made it get sold to a millionaire or billionaire or whatever, billionaire Ted. But uh, so so now, uh, yeah, so Dusty Rhodes. Few Logan is Arn Anderson was a face throughout 93 and 94, and he teamed up with Dusty Rhodes against the stud stable of Terry Funk and Bunkhouse Buck. In that match, Arn Anderson turns on Dustin Rhodes, and now Dustin Rhodes is feuding with the stud stable uh, Robert Fuller, Meng, who used to be Haku, uh, uh, Bunkhouse Bucks, Terry Funk, and Arn Anderson, but he's got nobody to help him. And so, Dusty Rhodes, and we'll be playing that promo later on in the show, comes in and gives a spectacular promo, talking about, I want to help you, son. You got nobody. I want to be there for you. Oh, great promo, which sets up a tag team match at the August Clash of Champions between the Rhodes and the Stud Stable. And then, ultimately, Fall Brawl 94, the main event, War Games, Dustin Rhodes, Dusty Rhodes, and the Nasty Boys versus the Stud Stable. 
Yeah, including uh, General Parker. Now, you had uh, Haku, or uh, what's his name, uh, Meng there. He's he's just this enforcer guy. He doesn't really do anything. Why isn't he in this match? You know what? When I first saw this pay-per-view, I, I was critical. I was like, why Parker? Why not Meng? And then when I'm watching this again to review for this for the show, I'm like, nah, man. Let, why is it Meng in it? But you know what? It makes sense for Colonel Parker to be in the match. The ending alone makes sense. Yeah, well, it makes sense so they can lose by him giving up. Exactly. And not, and you don't want to kill Meng, Meng's heat. I mean, somebody's got to do the job. And it's either go, it, it probably would have been Buckhouse Buck if you brought in Meng. But I think having Parker in, in, the, in the match, this is the culmination of the feud, Logan. This is the final match. You want right. to go over. And what best to do it is to have the evil manager get his comeuppance. Yeah, yeah. It's like booking 101, which nobody follows today, right? That's correct, man. Well, let's get to this match because this shit is fucking awesome too, and it's it's a um, it's a real build-up match. You know, you have Dusty coming out with the Nasty Boys. He show they show him how he recruits the Nasty Boys by giving him like you know he wanted some real nasty customers to um, you know to, uh, to 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 go against this. Uh, these nasty people, and uh, he, you know they. <clears throat> this is like the the horsemen are just not even in existence at this point, right? Um, ba, 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 Flair is wrestling at this time. Because uh, during this pay per view, Flair has the title, and he's claiming no, no, to be the. No, 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 no. Hogan's the champion. Um, Flair steals the title, and they're oh. setting the next pay per view the following month, Halloween Havoc where Flair will lose to Hogan in a, in a loser-retires match. Right, right. So then, uh, okay, so whatever. The point is is that uh, this Austin is the deal. do not get reformed until 1995. That's right. Yeah. So they have, um, our, he, we have a Bunkhouse book. Um, I think he's in first of this uh, War Arn- Games match. Arn Anderson versus Dustin Rhodes. Arn Anderson in the history of the War Games. The greatest worker. Oh, yeah, it's Dustin versus Arm. Yeah, that's right. Three of the war games. If you an MVP for all the war games combined has been Arn Anderson because he's been phenomenal in every war game he's appeared in, just being no exception. Yeah, he's definitely awesome in this. So yeah, he he starts off with um, Arn Anderson and Dustin Rhodes, and uh, Arn looks to be in. Um, in good shape here. I mean, he's still, he's pretty old at this point, but he's still, still moves awesome. Pretty good um, back and forth for about seven minutes with, uh, with, with Dustin. Um, I think he's, he's about, he's like losing and uh, there's a coin flip. Is this what happens with the coin flip? And then uh, coin flip. And so they'll see which team gets the advantage. Then bunkhouse bucks comes in. Right. Bunkhouse. And they, uh, work over Dustin. They get a double half crab on him, and then uh, the nasty boy. What's his name? Rotten. Uh, Jerry Sags. Oh, Jerry Sags. Yeah, he's he comes in and uh, he's going wild. He fucking hits a pile driver on. Oh, that was a great pile driver. Bobby Heaton was great. Oh, he went up so high, his feet hit the cage. Yeah, man. I mean, he's just perfect for this. Like, just this. And he's rocker, dude. Slinging, he's slinging Buck and Anderson into the it, 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 into the cage. Just great. Just great. Then you get Terry Funk in, and he takes his boot off and starts smacking people with that fucking thing. Terry, and it, 
Terry Funk was phenomenal in this match. Wow. He was tremendous. He came in. He came in, and he was great. Now, oh, well, who was it that took Buckhouse Buck and flung him body first into the cage? <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. I mean, he gets thrown around in this. Like, he gets some great... That was the greatest bump of the match. And later, Terry Funk gets pile drive through the two, 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 two rings and winds up in between the rings on the floor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they, they're putting his head up and down in the ring. Um, we have um, we have basically knobs then running wild. Um, oh, knobs he, he he cleans out because he throws them all in the cage. He that I think he's the one that picks up uh, Bunkhouse Bunk and throws him into the cage body first. Well, yeah, and then you and then you see Funk getting beat up by his own goddamn boot. Uh, then finally uh, Parker's in there and uh, he they he's whipped uh, he. They're getting the advantage when he gets in. He's fucking whipping Rotten with a belt. Dusty's uh, fucking getting triple teamed. Uh, when he Dust, when Dusty comes in, he gets triple teamed. But then he goes wild with that fucking elbow. And like, man, the pop when he comes this in was, is incredible. I don't know who the Booker was at this time. It might have been Flair. Flair might have been the Booker at this time. But whoever booked this match booked the ending perfectly. Dusty Rhodes comes in. He gives everybody the atomic elbow, and then while the th- while the three real wrestlers, Buck, Funk, and Anderson, are laid out in one ring, the the, the other four go in the other ring, and they 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 have Dusty put the figure four on on, on Colonel Parker, and then Sags and Knobs takes turns doing atomic elbow drops on Parker. That was until he, until he gives up. Yeah. Dustin Rhodes keeps the other guys away from breaking it up, and Parker has no choice but to submit. Ending a spectacular match, and the cherry on the top for the legendary career of the legendary American dream, Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, I mean, he gets to headline uh, uh, one last War Games, which he was famous for, and like the, which he created, Logan. It was his idea. He created the War Games. That's right. Well, they, you know, and uh, the, I guess the most. Uh, where he does the most, like what? What is the best war games that he was in? Oh, the first war games, the match we covered at the very, very beginning of the series. He was great in that war games. Yeah, that's that's probably his his best like performance yeah, in that, the war games. This is the second time, and the last time we'll be talking about Dusty Rhodes on this greatest performance program, and those were probably the two best matches of that time frame. The very first war games from 1987. It was. Dusty Rhodes, Nikita Koloff, the Road Warriors, and Precious Paul Ellering versus the Four Horsemen and J.J. Dillon. That was the very first War Games. And this so, War Games. So he's only been in two War Games? No, he was in the 80s. He was in the second War Games at the Orange Bowl, the same team except J.J. Um, Dillon was hurt. So uh, a mass big boss man as the War Machine took his place. Dusty was in that War Games as well. Okay. All right. Yeah. That. That's a. It's a great concept, man. I wish WWE would bring it back. I think they would get over. Who up until the day he died, worked with the WWE, was constantly trying to uh, push it. But McMahon doesn't like anything that's not his idea, especially if it was a WCW idea. He's stupid, man. He could leave his money on the table. I swear to God. But. Uh, just for his ego, you know, he's like his ego has become. I, I always felt Logan that Elimination Chamber was a ripoff of War Games. It is, but 
War Games is just so much better because of just the way it's set up, um, and and it's just more exciting, you know. Like, you look at fucking um, Elimination Chamber is just kind of boring, really comparatively. Uh, but uh, but yeah, man, these both these matches uh, very exciting, very hot crowds, and they show you how real wrestling is supposed to be done. Um, and you just don't see this kind of excitement in either the crowd or the performers, you know. Like, the intensity of all these guys uh, is really something to look at, man. And everybody that's a wrestler should really check this out, you know, check these uh, these matches out. Um, and so we're not going to talk about the AJ Styles match, right? No, what we're going to do the next time in a couple of weeks, we're going to do another uh, show entirely based on New Japan Classic Wrestling like we did a few weeks ago, and that will be included. You're going to have two AJ Styles match matches on the next show we talk about. His match of the year last year against Suzuki from the G1 Climax Tournament and his match against Ibushi this year, a match we was going to discuss, but I decided to hold off on that because we wanted to dedicate this program to the two, living, to the two now deceased legends, uh, Tommy Rogers and Dusty Rhodes. And um, um, big, big shout-out to Big D, Super Friends Universe. He just put up a podcast, I can't wait to listen. I'm going to listen to it later tonight, chronicling the entire career of the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. The Lucha Brothers, Draven and Big D, one of my favorite podcasts. And there are many podcasts, Logan, besides this one that we're doing right now, besides Big D, that are chronicling and, and um, celebrating the career of Dustin Rhodes. Uh, Jim Ross did one with Brian Alvarez, which was excellent. Stone Cold had Jim Ross on his show, which was excellent. Ric Flair on his podcast had David Crockett on, and they talked about uh, Dusty Rhodes. That was tremendous. On the Figure Four website, Bruce Mitchell did a tremendous job with uh, Brian Alvarez and Logan. Rob Naylor, one of our favorites, did a show with Brian and Dave that because Rob Naylor became a protege of, of Dusty, working at NXT, and Rob Naylor talks about the, the last few years of Dusty's life. So overall, throughout the Internet, just Type in Dusty Rhodes podcast, and you'll get hours and hours of Dusty Rhodes remembrance. And all these guys are doing a great job chronicling the career of the legendary American dream, Dusty Rhodes. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no shortage of, of people talking about this guy. I mean, he's just inspired so much conversation, especially because he touched so many people. Like when Randy Savage died, it wasn't. It, he hadn't had much contact with people after a certain point, and but, so. But not, you understand. But when Savage died, there was huge media play on his death, just like Dusty Rhodes. You're not going to see something like that again, Logan. Dusty and Savage are probably the last two until Flair or Hogan dies. Right, but they don't have. It's it's like uh, the one thing about Dusty was he stayed in the business until he died. You well, know? And, and you know what? A, a lot of the big stars today. All, all, oh, their momentum and their and and where they're at to Dusty Rose because in NXT he helped de- deliver the Shield and Bray Wyatt. Oh, even more! I mean, so many people uh, that we now see that are in the in the pipeline: Dolph Ziggler, and, uh, uh, yeah, Roman Reigns, and yeah, they they uh, Flair's daughter. They all were were tutored by the legendary American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. That's right. So he's always left a big impression on. And, uh, you know, it's funny, too, because they talk about the the polka dots and how he overcame that, and that was amazing. 
and he just ran with it and made it work. It's because, like because, Logan, natural, uh, natural charisma. In the history of professional wrestling, there might have been two guys that were at that level, if not better, for charisma. The three most charismatic stars in the history of professional wrestling, in no order, I'm not saying order, Dusty, Hogan, and Rock. And th- th- that's it. Then you, no one else. Well, I mean, Ric Flair. Yeah, but Flair, the, Flair doesn't go across I mean, the landscape. Remember, in the 1970s and 80s, Dusty Rose was an international star. Flair had yet to be one. Hogan. Yeah, he actually, Flair was never really one. Yeah. I mean, if you could argue that. Dusty was, and then Hogan later, and then, of course, The Rock right now blows away anybody that's in the game today as far as charisma goes. Yeah, because the torch kind of did go from Dusty Rose to Hulk Hogan to The Rock. I mean, that's, or, I mean you know, and, and Stone Cold... But not even Stone Cold got to that level, you know. Great worker, a great talker, and and um, undisputedly brought the WWF back from extinction. They were about to go under. He never had that natural charisma the Rock had. Rock has that fucking charisma where he can walk in the room and not say a word, and the fans will go crazy. And you've seen that many times throughout his career. Can't say the same about Stone Cold. Yeah, that's that's correct, man. All right, man. So we'll fucking we're gonna definitely be getting the other Dusty Rhodes matches on here, as and you can check out the archives of the ones we already did. But uh, there's there's are there are more out there. I don't know if we can get that uh, if they if it exists the Dusty Rhodes versus Superstar Billy Graham, or do they just have, have clips that. of it? We have that, and we could do that. Matter of fact, we'll do that. Not on the next program. Next program is gonna be New Japan, but the program after they had a phenomenal match in Madison Square Garden. Uh, was it a Texas death match? I forgot what it was. Great match. The best match of Superstar's career and one of Dusty's best matches. That, that'll that definitely be a match we'll look, at, we'll look at down the line. And um, I want to do another Fantastics match as well. So that'll be a few weeks away. But the next show will be dedicated to the best worker today in the world. My man, AJ Styles. The phenomenal AJ Styles. Yeah, man. He's unbelievable. So we will, and I hope he never goes to the WWE. I hope he just stays in Japan. Not going because they want him in NXT. Why would he fucking do that? No, nah, fuck that. Well, now they're starting to bring people in and bring him up to the roster like they did with uh, yeah, Kevin Yeah, but you still got to go. When Samoa Joe showed up, where they put him? The NXT. And he's like, oh, well, if you didn't do it here, you didn't do it anywhere. You got to go to the minor leagues first. The fuck out of here. AJ Styles is in the major leagues. New Japan. Oh, bro. yeah. He's so out. He's so uh, above any of the fuckers in the fucking WWE right now. It's, the uh, only funny. guy it's, on his level is uh, Daniel Bryan. We'll probably never wrestle again. Daniel Bryan, you're right. <laughs> All right. That would be a phenomenal match, though, between those that, two. That match so. is not going to happen because um, the, the, those matches did happen back in the day at ROH, but that match won't happen in the future because... They had a match? I'm sure they had plenty of matches. Look, I don't I don't follow independent wrestling, but those guys came up at the same time. I'm sure they wrestled many a time. Uh, yeah, they probably did. All right, well, we'll look for that, see if we can't uh, review one of those, if they did. Um, and uh, thanks again, man. We'll talk soon. This is the Pro Wrestling Opinion Show, and we're here every week almost, or every other week. All right, good All right, night. Man. Talk to you soon. Peace, man. Ladies and gentlemen, you all know that Dusty Rhodes has been injured. Well, we want to welcome back tonight Dusty Rhodes for his first interview since his injury. Here is the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. And Dusty, your fans welcome you back, man. First of all, I would like to thank the many, many fans throughout this country 
that wrote cards and letters to Dusty Rhodes, the American dream, while I was down. Secondly, I want to thank Jim Crockett Promotions for waiting and taking the time because I know how important it was. Starcade 85, it is to the wrestling fans, it is to Jim Crockett Promotions. And Dusty Rhodes, the American dream, with that weight, got what I wanted. Ric Flair, the world's heavyweight champion. I don't have to say a lot more about the way I feel about Ric Flair. No respect, no honor. There is no honor among these in the first place. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. You don't know what hard times are, Daddy. Hard times are when the textile workers around this country are out of work. They got four or five kids and can't pay their wages, can't buy their food. Hard times are when the auto workers are out of work and they tell them go home. And hard times are when a man has worked at a job 30 years. 30 years. They give him a watch, kick him in the butt and say, hey, a computer took your place, Daddy. That's hard times. That's hard times. And Ric Flair, you put hard times on this country by taking Dusty Rhodes out. That's hard times. And we all had hard times together. I admit I don't look like the athlete of the day supposed to look. My belly's just a little big. My hand is just a little big. But brother, I am bad and they know I'm bad. And there were two bad people. One was John Wayne and he's dead, brother. And the other one's right here. Nature Boy Ric Flair. The world's heavyweight title belongs to these people. I'm gonna reach out right now. I want you at home to know my hand is touching your hand for this gathering of the biggest body of people in this country, in this universe, all over the world now. Reach it out because the love that was given me and this time I will repay you now because I will be the next world's heavyweight champion on this hard time blues. Dusty Rhodes Tour 85 and Ric Flair, Nature Boy. Let me leave you with this. One way to hurt Ric Flair is to take what he cherishes more than anything in the world. That's the world's heavyweight title. I'm gonna take it, I've been there twice. This time when I take it, Daddy, I'm gonna take it for you. Let's gather for it. Don't let me down now, cause I came back for you, for that man up there that died 10, 12 years ago and never got the opportunity to see a real wolf champion. I'm proud of you and thank God I have you. And I love you. Love you! The American Dream, Dusty Rhodes fans.